0: chapter 8 of the girl at central by geraldine bonner the sleebrevox recording is in the public domain the girl at central by geraldine bonner chapter 8 after the inquest there was no more question about who was suspected it was as if every finger in longwood was raised and pointed to maple shade the cautious people didn't say it plain especially the shopkeepers who are afraid of losing custom but those who had nothing to gain by keeping still came out with it flat-footed. It wasn't only that nobody liked the doctor, or believed his story. It was because the people were wild at what had been done. They wanted to find the murderer and put him behind bars, and seeing that things pointed more clearly to Dr. Fowler than to anybody else, they pitched on him. All the gossip about the quarreling came out blacker than ever the papers were full of it and the other worse stories about sylvia's allowance and the will of her father there wasn't a bit of dirty linen in the fowler household that wasn't washed and hung out on the line for the public to gape at and some of it was dirtier when they'd got through washing than it had been before there were those who didn't scruple to say that the whole tragedy was a frame-up between virginie dupont and the doctor if you talked sensible to them and asked them how virginie could have got word to him that sylvia was running away they just pushed that to one side saying it could be explained some way everything wasn't known yet but one thing you could be sure of the one person who knew the whereabouts of that frenchwoman was dr daniel fowler i believe there were some days after the inquest when if there'd been an anarchist or an agitator to stand on the post office steps And yelled that dr fowler ought to be jailed a crowd would have gathered gone down to mapleshade and demanded him fortunately there was no one of that kind around and he stayed quiet in his home not even coming to the village two days after the inquest i saw ann and she said he and mrs fowler hadn't been out of the house that they were in a state of siege what with the reporters and the police and morbid cranks who hung around the grounds looking up at the windows that same evening i stayed over time in the exchange lending a hand the work was something awful and katie riley the new girl was most snowed under and on the way to lose her head i wanted to see her through and i wanted the credit of the office kept up but it's also true that i wanted to be on the job myself and hear all that was passing believe me it was hard to quiet down in my bedroom at night after eight hours on the switchboard right in the thick of the excitement besides i'd got to know the reporters pretty well and it was fun making them think i could give them leads and then guying them i liked babbitts the best but there were three others that weren't bad as men go one was jones a tall thin chap like an actor with long black hair hanging down to his collar and Freddie jasper who was english and talked with an awful swell dialect and a sallow-skinned consumpted-looking guy called yarrington who belonged on a paper as yellow as his face and always went round with a cigarette hanging from his lip like it was stuck on with glue it was nearly eight and work was slacking off when i started to go home what with the jump i'd been on and listening to the gabbling around the door i'd forgotten my supper It wasn't till I saw the gilt edge window with a nice pile of apples stacked up around a pumpkin that I remembered I was hungry and walked over. There were only three people in the place, Florrie Stein, the waitress, and a woman with a kid in the corner. I was just finishing my corned beef hash with a cup of coffee at my elbow and stewed prunes on the line of promotion when Soapy and Jones and Jasper came in and asked me if they could sit at my table. Please yourself, said I and you'll please me, for politeness is one of the things I was bred up to, and they sat down, calling out their orders to Florrie Stein. They naturally began talking about the case, it was all anybody talked about just then, and for all I knew so much about it, I generally picked up some new bits from them. So I went to the extravagance of three cents worth of jelly roll, not because I wanted it, But because I could crumb it up and eat it slow and not give away, I was sitting on to listen. We can talk before you, Miss Morgenthau," said Babbitts, "because while we all agree you're the bell of Longwood, we found out by sad experience you're a bell without a tongue." Flory Stein, bringing the food, then they were all silent till she set it out, and when she'd drawn off to the cashier's desk, they started in again. They were, so to speak. "'looking over Hines as a suspect. "'No, Hines won't fit,' said Babbitts. "'The presence of the jewellery on the body eliminates him. "'They've dug up his record, and though the place he ran wasn't to be recommended for Sunday school picnics, "'the man himself seems to have been fairly decent.' "'It's odd about the bag, the fitted bag and the jewellery gone from the room,' said Jasper. "'The police have an idea that Virginie Dupont could tell something of them.' theft theft on the side oh pshaw, said jones what's the good of complicating things if theft was committed it was a frame-up part of a plot you believe in this idea that they've got in the village that fowler and the frenchwoman work together i do to my mind the murderer's marked as plain as cain after he was branded on the brow or wherever it was then jasper spoke up he's a nice quiet chap not as fresh as the others let's hear what you base that assertion on jones forgot his supper and twisted round sideways in his chair looking thoughtful up at the cornice as i understand it in a murder two things are necessary a crime and a corpse and in a murderer one a motive now we have all three the motive is strong if miss hesketh married her stepfather lost his home and the money he had been living on so he tried to stop her from marrying. Saturday night he heard that his effort had failed. I fancy that on Sunday morning, when he went for that auto-drive, he stopped at some village, not as yet located, and communicated with Virginie Dupont, who was in his pay. She, too, went out that morning, you may remember. There's a good deal of surmise about this, said Babbitts. Jones gave him a scornful look if the links in the chain were perfect dr fowler'd be eating his dinner to-night in bloomington jail how do you account for miss hesketh presupposing it was she being on the train instead of the turnpike said jasper a change of plans jones answered calmly also not yet satisfactorily cleared up to continue some time on sunday the doctor conceived the plan of ridding himself of all his cares his troublesome stepdaughter the disturbance of his home and his financial distress how he turned and looked solemnly at us fate played so well into his hands i can't yet explain the main point is that it did he met miss hesketh at the junction either by threats persuasion or coercion made her enter his auto and carried her up the road to the turnpike and now said babbitts leaning his arms on the table we come to her appearance in the wayside arbour we do jones replied nodding his head you may remember that both hines and his servant said there were twigs and leaves in the edge of her skirt and that her boots were muddy traces of this were still visible in her clothes when they found her body she did get out of that automobile but not so far from the turnpike as he said either he and she had some fierce quarrel and she ran from him in rage or terror or he may have told her the truth and she slipped out at the turn from the Riven Rock road without his knowledge. Anyway, she got away from him and ran for the only light she saw. There she telephoned Reddy withholding the main facts from him, perhaps merely to save time, but cautioning him against letting anyone know of the message. That, as I see it, was a natural feminine desire to guard against gossip. When she thought Reddy was due, she started out to meet him and instead met the doctor. He'd been hanging about for a half-hour on the roadside. Precisely. He killed her, concealed the body, and went home. Just a minute. What did he kill her with? The weapon used is a disputed point. Many think it was a farm implement. Did he go cross lots to Cresset's and arm himself with a convenient spade or rake for the fatherly purpose of slaying his stepdaughter? But you couldn't faze Jones, he said as calm as a May morning he could have done that but i don't think he did he didn't need it the toolbox of the car was nearer to hand a large-sized auto wrench is a pretty formidable weapon and a tire wrench did you ever see one one well-aimed blow of that would crush in the head of a negro gentlemen the evidence is all in said babbitts your case might hold water said jasper if it wasn't as full of holes as a sieve Why, you can make out as good a one for almost anybody. Who, for example? Jones asked. Well, take Reddy. Jack Reddy? I said that, sitting up suddenly and staring at them with a piece of jelly roll halfway to my mouth. He's as good as another, said Jasper, and then he added, sort of dreamy, I believe I could work up quite a convincing case against Reddy, allowing for a hole here and there but our illustrious friend here admits holes at this stage fire away said babbitts give it to his holes and all well off the bat here it is you may remember that no one saw him coming back from maple lane that night there is no one therefore to deny that he may have had miss hesketh in the car with him instead of going back to fire hill as he says he did He followed his original plan of taking her by the turnpike. "'Right at the start I challenged that,' said Babbitts. "'She appeared at the Wayside Arbor at 9.30. "'The date in Maple Lane was for seven. "'Supposing she kept it and was on time, "'which is a stretch of the imagination, "'he would have had to travel 118 miles in two hours and a half.' "'He could have done it. "'On a black and dark night.' nearly forty-eight miles an hour you forget he knew the road and was driving a high-powered racing car it's improbable but not impossible i count that as a whole but go on now in this hypothetical case we'll suppose that as that car flew over the miles the man and the woman in it had high words hold on said jones holding out his fork that's too big a hole they were lovers eloping not an old married couple i'll explain that later the high words inflamed and enraged the man to the point of murder and he conceived a horrible plan as they neared the wayside arbour he told the woman something was wrong with the car and sent her to the place ostensibly to telephone really to establish her presence there at a time when had she been with him she could hardly have got that far i jumped in there i knew it was only fooling but even so i didn't like hearing mr reddy talked about that way who did he send her to telephone to mr jasper himself babbitts laughed and jerked his head toward me listen to our little bell sounding the curfew on jasper but mr jasper was ready he could have done that "'Knowing his house was empty, Hines, you remember, said she wasn't five minutes in the booth. "'We've only read word for that message. "'We don't even know if she got a connection. "'I telephoned out to the Corona operator Saturday, "'and she answered that there was no record of the message, "'and she herself remembered nothing about it.' "'But Sylvia,' I said. "'She told Hines she was expecting someone to come for her.' "'Sylvia was eloping,' Mightn't she have told Hines, who was curious and intrusive, what wasn't true? A sort of hush fell on us all. Babbitt's face and Jones's, from being just amused, were intent and interested. Go ahead, Jasper, said Babbitts. If this isn't buying the baby a frock, it's a good yarnin. Jasper went on. Her story of the broken automobile she believed to be true but she didn't want Hines to know who she was or what she was up to, so she invented the person coming to take her home. Why she sat so long there talking is, I'll admit, a whole, but I said in the beginning there would be some. The end is just like the end of Jones's case. She went back to Reddy, and he killed her with, as our friend has suggested, one of the auto-tools. Very soon after it would have been as that bohemian what's-her-name heard the scream at ten-ten that's all very well said jones but before we go further i'd like you to furnish us with a motive nothing easier jealousy jealousy i said sudden and sharp jealousy in its most violent form the lady in this case was a peculiar type a natural-born siren She had made the man jealous, furiously jealous. That was the reason of the high words in the motor. "'Who was he jealous of?' It was I again who asked that. Jasper turned round and looked at me with a smile. "'Why, Miss Morgenthau,' he said. "'You gave us the clue to that. He was jealous of the man who made the date you heard on the phone. Don't you see?' he said, turning to the others that man kept his date and Reddy came and found him there i can't tell what it was that fell on us and made us sit so still for a minute all of us knew it was just a joke but for me anyway it was as if a cloud had settled on the room babbitt sat smoking a cigarette and staring at the rings he was making with his eyes screwed up presently when joan spoke his voice had a sound like his pride was taken down a great deal better than i expected but it's simply riddled with holes before jasper could answer the door opened and yarrington came in the cigarette was hanging off his lip and as he said good evening to me it wobbled but clung on then he pulled out a chair sat down and looking at the other three with a gleam in his eye he said a little while ago dr fowler's chauffeur and dusting out his car found the gold mesh purse squeezed down between the back And the cushion. End of chapter eight.